All right, well, let's get into the heart of the message. Let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18, I've got a message called Speak Life today. I wasn't going to share this. I had a hard time wanting to share this at first. But then the Lord gave me a dream, and he gave me the outline and the scriptures. So he's pretty persistent. Uh, Don't you agree? So again, I was a little cagey about sharing this, but reluctant, holding back. Because I feel like we have a church that really has a revelation and understanding on this concept, on this principle. But how many know that we all have room to grow? We have room to improve. No matter how mature, no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, there's always room for us to keep growing. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 through 21. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life. Say that with me. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What's it in? The power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, how many of you have ever gotten like a text message from me? I got some cell, you know, cell phones. I don't have everybody's cell phone. But you've maybe received a text message from me just saying, hey, love you, believe in you. So there's a handful of you guys that have the first service overwhelm me. There's a whole bunch of people in church that raise their hands. They're like, wow, I didn't realize I had so many people's cell phones. But anyway, you know, occasionally I'll text someone and just say, hey, you know, praying for you today. We love and believe you. And that's it. It's usually like a one or two sentence thing. And, uh, you know, sometimes when we speak life into other people, how many know the enemy just doesn't like that at all? And sometimes people can misunderstand something. You know, what, is, what, do, what do they want from me? What does she want from me now? You know? And sometimes people can misunderstand something when you're speaking life, being an encourager in life. You know, even just a few weeks ago, I did this little text thing, sent out a text to someone. They're not a part of the church yet. But I sent a text to this individual, and I just sent a little, you know, comment of, hey, this is what it was. Uh, Amy and I love you. We're praying for you today. That was it. And I got this response back that was a real long text. Have you ever gotten a text that should have been an email? (laughs) I got this real long text back that was long, and it was not a nice one at all. It was just ornery, angry, upset, going on and on and on and on, accusing and judging judging me, little old me. (laughs) And... um, they, this is what their statement was. I thought it was kind of funny. They said, every time I'm going through some of the most difficult things in life, you send me a text message or an email saying you're praying for me. I know you've got to be talking to somebody that knows me. <laughs> I thought, that's so funny. I am. I'm talking to him. <laughs> and he's putting you on my heart. And that's, you know, there's, there's two ways I can respond to this. I can stoop down, take the low road with them. You know, people are like clouds, right? Sometimes when they disappear, it's a beautiful day. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) And sometimes it's like that. You kind of want to just say goodbye, you know? But how many know that it takes a soft answer to turn away wrath? So guess what I did? Do you think I reacted or responded to love? I responded to love. Okay, you guys know me well enough to know. So I took the high road, and that's not always the easiest path to take. But how many know when the pressure comes on, the heat is the hardest, you could say, or the hottest, is when you're going to be tested the most. And if we really believe that our words are life and death, we're going to select our words wisely. Amen? 
You know, I've never had a husband and wife who are in an argument going back and forth and stop them in the middle of their conversation and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me ask you a question. What do you want? Do you want to win the argument or do you want to win in marriage? I've never had someone say, man, I just want to win this argument. They always will say, we just want to win in marriage. So that's where I go back to say, well, you know, you, des- you have this desired outcome, but I think we're a little off. We're doing things just a little bit off here. You know, that's not the way to win in the marriage. And sometimes we can win the arguments, but we can lose the heart in the process of doing it. And at those moments, like Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24, it says, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. So when I got that text response, like many of you have probably experienced that at some point in your life where someone just reacted rather than responded, they misunderstood you. And at those moments, we have to make sure we detox. You know what I'm talking about? Because they'd like to dump in their toxins, their poison into you. And it's the enemy's tactic to get you to stop being an encourager or to stop speaking life. So I did just like any one of you would do. I went into my prayer closet with the word of God and I went and sat down. It just happened to be my closet. And I sat down in my prayer closet that day after I got that text because I thought, you know, I don't want this to get inside of me. I don't want to get bitter. I want to get better. So I went into the closet. I sat down. I started reading the Bible because the Bible says, you know, husbands wash your wife with the word, right? So I have to get washed first in order to wash my wife. Otherwise, if I get filled with all these toxins and I come home, guess what's going to try and come out of me? Input, output. Amen? So I've got to make sure I get cleansed and washed in the Word so I can keep her white as snow. So I don't spew out the wrong things that I power wash her with the Word, with love, with faith. So I've got to make sure I get power washed. So I go, I'm reading the Bible, I'm getting washed in the Word of God, just like any one of us need to do on a daily basis. And I'm sitting there just worshiping the Lord and all of a sudden the Lord gave me a vision. And I love this analogy that he gave me. He showed me sticking my hand, and I had the full armor on, so I was protected. Thank God. You all put on your full armor every day, right? You know what I'm talking about in Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of spirit, belt of truth. Hey, you got to shot your feet with what? The gospel of peace. Put on the garments of praise, the robe of righteousness. You got to do that every day. Amen? So I had the armor on, and the Lord gave me a vision that I was sticking my hand in a beehive and grabbing the honey. What does that do to the bees? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You go for the honey and the bees are not going to like it. And the Lord gave me an analogy. He said, you got the honey. The bees didn't like it, though. And I thought, hey, that's a great analogy. I never thought about it. That pleasant words are like honeycomb. Pleasant to the soul. They're healing. They bring healing. It's like actually scripture, another scripture says in Proverbs chapter 18, that our words are like water for those who are thirsty. And that person needed to hear this, needed to know, we're praying for you. We love you. Even if they misunderstand you sometimes, we don't shy away and we don't become timid on being an encourager. We've got to, in fact, step up higher because, hey, we might be ruffling the the wings of the bees a little bit. We might get them a little uh, flustered, you could say, but we're getting the honey and we're going after what the desired outcome is. And what do we want in our marriages and our families? We want healing to flow freely. We want that honey in our relationships. We want that connection. Women, how many of you like to feel connected and understood? Can I hear an amen? Amen. 
Okay, so that's the way God wants us to continue to feel in our relationships with him and with one another, is to feel connected and to feel understood. And sometimes people will start quarrels and be strife causers. And again, it would be at those moments you're thinking, man, I just want the clouds to disappear so I can have a bright day right now. Would you please go goodbye? But here's the thing is that if you will take, like James says, like the tongue is like a rudder to a ship, you can steer your ship in whatever direction you want to go. So you've got to make a decision to take the high road rather than the low road to stoop down to those ways. Because if you do, you can turn that ship any direction. You can have a very bright future. Or it can be a pretty damaging future based upon how you respond in life. If you react all the time and become defensive and become judgmental back, it's going to affect your relationships. But when you take the high road and use soft answers and say things like, you know what, I really apologize. I hurt your feelings. You might not even be guilty. But how many would love to just hear, I was going to say your spouse, but I better not. How many would love just to hear your parents? Parents, you're not here, right? How many of you would just love to hear just one time your parents say, I apologize, I made a mistake? Anybody out there, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so over like 78% of youth today say they would just love to hear their parents just one time say, I apologize, will you forgive me? I made a mistake. And I have a feeling if I had husbands and wives to raise their hands right now, how many of you would love to hear your spouse just one time say, I apologize, will you, okay, please forgive me, I made a mistake. You know what I'm saying? That, it brings healing. Even if, even if you didn't make a mistake, if there's a misunderstanding, a misinterpretation, there's something that was misunderstood. If you could just hear him just use a soft answer just one time, wouldn't it be like honey? It would be so tasty. It would be like, wow, I needed that. I'm so thirsty for water right now. I needed that in our relationship to keep this thing thriving, not just surviving. Soft answers. But watch what Proverbs chapter 18, verses 6 through 7. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. So in other words, if you ever want to meet a fool, just watch the ones that are creating strife and contention. And then at that moment in your mind, go like this with a stamp, not a stamp of approval, but on their forehead, just go, fool. Because it's good to take some time to recognize what they're acting like so you don't act like them. You don't want to be recognized, and I feel like I'm speaking on behalf of not just myself, but all of us today. We don't want to be known for being a fool. We want to be people who are known for what? Love, kindness, gentleness. Wow. Y'all still listening? Are you out there still? Are you hearing this? Amen. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, once again, reminds us, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So if you want to stir up anger, use a harsh word, but if you want to stop that thing from getting worse, then use soft answers. Soft answers, like, she might be beat red, like angry, like, man, and you could just look at her and say, you are so Beautiful when you're angry. <laughs> I mean, you could bust that bubble so quick, and all of a sudden the heat just blows out, and she melts just because you use a soft answer. I mean, it's powerful. Jesus' ways and his thoughts processes, I mean, they're so much higher than us, and if we'll just come up to his ways of thinking and doing, we'll start getting God-sized results. 
but we've got to implement his results. If we're trying to win the argument, you know, really, is that the desired outcome? Or is the desired outcome to win in the marriage for you both to win? For you both to feel good about yourself and about your marriage, that you feel both feel connected and understood. And it's going to take soft answers to turn away that wrath rather than reacting and using a harsh word. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Do not let any wholesome words come out of your mouth. Don't let any of that unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But what is helpful? What is of building up? What is of edifying? What is going to help that person get ahead in life? Now, so this is what the Apostle Paul is saying is we've got to be very intentional about what we're speaking. We've got to be so selective that when we release those words, because our words are containers and they are carrying either life or death into that relationship, into our finances, into our careers. Our words are carriers and when we speak life, it will produce life. When the pressure hits us the most is when it really counts. That's when real leadership either rises up or falls down. Anybody can lead when things are going great. But when it gets tough, the mature person will rise up. You know, I think about back a number of years ago. Some of you might remember this in the news. There's two 747s that collided, and it was one of the biggest airline explosions in history. Horrible. And did you know that, of course, in the cockpit they have a recorder so they can hear what the pilot's saying? Well, the captain, what happened, it was a real foggy day, and on this runway, they taxi across to get to another runway, and so they didn't see each other, but there was two two 747s that had just fueled up, and one of them was crossing over to get to one runway, and the other one was already in process of taking off. Well, the one that was in the process of taking off, the captain, the pilot, was recorded saying these words, and I won't tell you what they mean, but I think you'll get the gist of them, but he said these words, GD, we're all going to die. Well, guess what happened to them? He tried his best to pull up, even though he didn't have enough power, not enough thrust. He did his best to pull above that other airplane, but that one was gone. Him and his crew, everybody, gone. Now, there was another person on the other plane where, you know, 747s are really high. Like the stewardess sometimes have to get way up and just, you know, get on a stepladder just to get luggage up there. I mean, the really high ceilings. And so anyway, there, when the plane was taking, trying to take off, of course, the, the wheels uh, were, you know, just slid right across the other airplane and just opened up the roof. Well, explosion, everything's going on. But there was a believer on the other plane. And he said this. Jesus, not cursing God's name, but Jesus, help me, Jesus. And when he did, and naturally it would have been impossible for him to jump up and to hold himself out of the plane kind of thing. But the next thing he knew when he said Jesus, he was halfway out of the plane on top of the roof. And when he said Jesus again, he was standing on the roof. So he ran, jumped off onto the wing and escaped safely. Does it matter if we speak life or death? When we curse God's name, and we're all going to die, those are containers producing death. But being the pilot of the ship that we're, we're in charge of, that we're responsible of, and we say just the opposite, Jesus, even if we're at that point like Peter was, he's drowning, Jesus, save me, help me. I mean, that's better than saying the opposite. 
If we understand how powerful our words are, we're going to be a lot more selective. If God is wanting me to deliver this message again, that means there's somebody today that your life determines whether or not you're going to live or you're going to die based upon what you were speaking. Your marriage is either going to live or it's going to die based upon what you're speaking. Your finances are going to live whether you speak the right things or not speak the right things. Your career is going to make it if you speak the right things or don't speak the right things. It's hinged upon the responsibility Jesus gave you, and that's your mouth. What you're selecting, what's coming out of your mouth. You know, I had a few weeks ago, the Lord had put on my heart to encourage several different couples to carry recorders around with them. I said, I think you just need to know how negative and how critical you really are acting. Because <laughs> I think sometimes people think they're a lot more positive and a lot more appreciative and a lot more thankful than they really are. So I, I mentioned to a few different couples, I think you should really go and get a recorder and just listen to your conversations, record your conversations, and then afterwards, self-reflect, not judge the other person, but self-reflect and determine on, are you really that positive? Are you that appreciative? Because before you met each other in marriage, did you use enthusiasm? Did you inflectuate your voice a little bit? Did you twinkle with your eyes? I mean, did you sit on the edge of your chair when she walked in the room? Are you still doing those things? And are you filled with compliments? Are you still her biggest cheerleader or his biggest cheerleader? Or have you become each other's biggest critics? You know, sometimes we need to evaluate and realize, man, I need a dose of humility because right now I am not speaking like I used to towards my spouse or maybe even towards my children. And some of you might need to get a recorder and listen to yourself and then replay it that night when you go to sleep so you can embarrass yourself. Like, man, I'm really quite negative and pessimistic. I really need to change the way I'm communicating. Some of us need to get some recorders to, because this is what Jesus said to me. He said, they need to be far more and giving far more compliments than they are correction. Because some people just like to correct the whole world. And they're so smart. Sometimes they know that there's a lot of things wrong and they need to correct a lot of things and they feel like they need to. But you have no right bringing correction if you're not bringing compliments. Your compliments should far outweigh your corrections in life. So if you're not giving your spouse compliments, you don't have a right to bring correction to her or him. Ooh, it's getting quiet in this place. I think I'm preaching to someone and it's hitting on some toes right now. But listen, this is going to save your marriage, your family. And those people are going to run to be with you because they want to be with you rather than like, oh man, I got to go home and get corrected again over this and this and this. I mean, correction is done in love, isn't it? When Jesus does it, you feel like it's more instruction. Like, man, I feel so loved by you, Jesus. Thank you. And then afterwards, like, I, he just corrected me, didn't he? And that's the way, it's, because he pads it with so much love before and after, he brings a correction. So you feel like, man, he really cares about my future. People really don't care how much you know until how they know how much you care. They need to know you love them and that you value them. Have you ever thought about this? Compliments will be an abundance, in great abundance, if there will always be honor and humility in the home. If there's really, truly honor and humility as a foundation of your home, as a vision of your home, that, yeah, we love God, we honor God, we honor each other, and humility is our foundation. Think of what honor is. Honor is what? Preferring others, esteeming others, valuing someone else, saying, man, you are so significant. You're looking up to them. You never speak down to them because you're always looking up. That's what honor is, isn't it? And humility is just getting down lower, and you're saying, can I get you a glass of water? Can I do this? Can I do that? And you lower yourself below them just to let them know I'm here to serve you because that's what humility does. It serves. 
So when there's honor and humility combined, there will always be many compliments because you will always be looking up towards that person, even that child. Jesus said these words, once again, he said these words, a person who doesn't compliment is full of pride. He said that to me. He said, a person who doesn't compliment, they are full of pride. Wow. That's an eye-opener for some. <laughs> like, am I complimentary or am I full of pride? Because I don't want to be full of pride because God opposes the proud, doesn't he? But he promotes the humble. He gives grace to the humble. We've got to lower ourselves and stoop down lower to lift others up because anytime we put somebody on our shoulders, they're always, we are always going to stand taller in life when we got somebody on our shoulders. Oral Roberts' mother used to always say these words to him. Oral, stay small in your own eyes. Stay small in your own eyes. Just think if every day we woke up and we just humbled ourselves and put our face on the floor and said, God, have mercy on me. Help me to honor and to humble myself before every person. And it starts with our marriages and our families, doesn't it? Because that's where real leadership begins, is in the home. And when we humble ourselves and honor one another, compliments are going to be in abundance. But the opposite is true. When someone's constantly correcting, when they're giving no compliments, they need to work on humility in a big way. So if you make a target every day and say, man, I am going to load people up with compliments. I'm going to wash my wife with the word of God. I am going to lift people up. Guess what's going to happen? More grace to you. More grace to your marriage. More grace to your relationships. More grace in your career. When you really are just taking a moment to say thank you to the Heavenly Father, but you're also saying thank you to your employer or to your employee. You know, this is so funny because sometimes cleaning people, the ministry cleaning team, uh, you know, they, they don't get recognized. Sometimes people don't even know who they are. They clean the toilets. They do all the stuff that you, some of us just take for granted. And I remember when I was working for a large company a number of years ago, and there was a sweet little Hispanic lady that would come out of the bathrooms after cleaning the restrooms. And I don't know why, but God just would, you know, there, it's no coincidence that when people put, you know, when people are in her life, God puts those people in her life for a reason. And every time I would see her come out of the men's bathroom after cleaning it, I would just go up to her and i just, I am so thankful for you. I really appreciate you. And I meant it so sincerely. I really enjoy going to the bathroom because the bathroom smells so clean after you clean them. I really appreciate what you do. And I would do this day after day, month after month, year after year. And it was many times throughout the week. And when it came day for me to move, and she was about to retire as well, I went up to her and gave her a big hug, and I said, thank you so much for ministering to us through keeping these bathrooms clean and keeping the, this place clean. We are so grateful for you. I'm about to move, and when I said that, man, she broke down, and she started uncontrollably crying. She said, Sean, you have no idea how much you've impacted my life over the years. She said, I have never once, having worked for this place for over 30 years, never once had someone say thank you for cleaning the bathrooms. So many people take people for granted in their lives. There's this true story. There's a, a man who went out to get his newspaper one day. And he, grabbed the, he was about to grab the newspaper, and when he opened the door, he noticed the neighbor's dog was over there with the newspaper in his mouth, and he didn't have to go out to the curb to get the newspaper. So he pets the dog, and he says, thank you, thank you, thank you, and he pets him, and he's so excited. I really appreciate you, and he says, wait right here. He goes in and gets a treat for the dog, brings it back, pets the dog a little bit more, and says, good, good doggy, good doggy. Well, the next day, guess who showed up again at his house? Not only with his newspaper, but eight more newspapers from the neighborhood. 
How many know that people will jump through hoops instead of harping on them and say, man, the grass is as tall as a house. I can't even find my way through the yard. Instead, next time when he gets on the mower or she gets on the mower, but I mean, whoever gets on the mower, I mean, the kids get on the mower. I mean, let's say, let's just pretend it's a man this time. Your husband gets on the mower and he gets on the mower and you're just like, he gets done and you're like, man, your physique, I mean, you were so good looking. I mean, you should have, wow. When I saw you turn that mower and I saw those muscles bulging, wow, you are so good looking. I'll tell you what, he'll start mowing the lawn every day. (laughs) People will jump through hoops for appreciation, for compliments, because compliments are what glue our relationships together. Amen? A friend of ours who played basketball, and he still does, but he used to play like four or five days a week. He'd play and play and play, and he had a guy that would show up on the team, and he would jump on the team, and this guy just never said a word, hardly would ever say a word on the courts or off of the courts. He just, he eventually got to know him. His name was Bo, and that's all he would say. You know, my name's Bo. You know, that was about it. And so he would play, and, but this friend of ours would always make an intentional effort to go up to him and say, it's great to see you, Bo, when he saw Bo come. And years went by, and he stopped playing basketball. Some things changed in his life, and uh, at least at that time. 20 years went by, and this guy shows up at our friend's uh, church, who he, you know, he pastors a church. And he comes up to him, and he's like, hey, I recognize that guy. And that guy's like, hey, do you remember me? He said, I'm Bo. I used to play basketball with you. And he's like, that's right. It's so great to see you, Bo. And Bo said, I just want you to understand why I played basketball. Because when I was 14 years old, I was kicked out. Nobody wanted me. Nobody ever told me that I was valuable. Nobody ever told me it was great to see me except you. The only reason I played basketball every day was just to hear you say, it's great to see you, Bo. And then he went on to share, this is my family. This is my children. And his life had turned in a positive way because somebody just simply said those words, It's great to see you. Another friend of ours, one day she was walking through the lobby of their church, and it's a big church, hundreds of people in the lobby, and one day she walked up to this woman, and she looked her in the eyes, and she said, you are so beautiful. Five-second conversation, and she went on. Well, a few months later, she was in the visitor room of our friends at the church that she was joining. She said, I just want you to know, when you stopped me in the hall a few months ago, and said, you are so beautiful. I have replayed those words over and over. Because at that time in my life, I was actually going through a very painful and unwanted divorce. And I did not feel beautiful. I did not feel significant. I did not feel loved. I did not feel valuable. But when you said those words, you are so beautiful, she said, I felt like strongholds were broken in my mind. For the first time, once again, for in a long time, I was able to be free and to know that I had hope for my future and that I could love again. You may never know the power of your words, of what you're doing in somebody's life. It may not happen for 20 years. It may not happen. You may not know until you get into eternity. But when you speak life into the lives of those around you, it's no coincidence. You may be thinking, well, she already knows she's beautiful. She just has to look in the mirror. How do you know that? I have never, never, never once had my wife say, Sean, stop it. You told me I was beautiful 20 years ago, and you told me I love you. When we got married, that's enough. I don't need to hear it again. I know. No, just the opposite is true. Amy, you are so beautiful inside and out. You are gorgeous. <laughs> Woo, you are just a fine-looking lady. And I'm telling you, guess what happens? Her smile gets bigger. A display of confidence gets greater. It's like she can walk on the clouds. So she's never told me, ah, 
jack off on all those compliments and telling me I'm beautiful. Never once. In fact, if anything, she's kind of going like this. <laughs> now, she's very humble. She wouldn't do that. But I think she knows that she's beautiful because I tell her she's beautiful. And I, I always reaffirm it that she's just as beautiful on the inside. And that's what I love about her. Because your inward compliments are just as important, maybe even more important, than the outward compliments. Both are necessary, though. Let's be the oxygen to each other's souls. Encouragement is the oxygen to one's soul. Great to see you. You're so beautiful. God didn't put those compliments in you for you just to think about it because you can't release a blessing until you speak those words. I'm going to start bringing this to a closure. Your words and your actions mean so much to people more than you realize. Never underestimate the power of life. There was a man named Jim Baker. Some of you might recognize his name. He used to be the president over PTO many, many, many years ago. Well, Jim Baker made some wrong choices, and he was incarcerated for mishandling funds. Well, long story short, the Graham family, Billy Graham, Ruth, their family, heard that he was about to be released from prison, so Franklin got in contact with Jim Baker. Franklin is Billy Graham's son. Franklin said these words to Jim. He said, Jim, when you get out of prison, we want to get you a house, we want to rent you a house, we want to get you a car, we want to get you on your feet again. And this is what Jim said in response to Franklin. Franklin, you can't do that. It'll hurt the credibility of your ministry to associate with me. Franklin said these words, Jim, we were friends with you before this happened, and we will remain your friends after this has happened. We will be here for you. How many know that when everybody walks out, a true friend walks in? How many know that when everybody's trying to rub it in, a true friend tries to rub it out? How many know that we need more love? We need more healers in this world. Where are the healers in this world? Well, sure enough, as soon as Jim Baker was released from prison, he went into a halfway house. And Ruth Graham called the halfway house and got permission from the overseer and said, can we, the Graham family, take Jim Baker to church with us this Sunday? So they made arrangements for this to happen. As soon as Jim entered in with permission from the overseer, he walked into the church. They walked him, escorted him right down to the very front row of the church. There was about 12 or maybe 15 Graham family members there in the church. And there was two seats open completely next to him. He wondered in his mind, I wonder who's going to be sitting next to me. And when the music kicked up and started playing, out through the side doors walked Dr. Billy Graham and Ruth Graham. They came and sat right next to Jim Baker. Your words and your actions bring healing to people around you. Whether it was a mistake that they made, we need to encourage them and pick them up. Whether it was an accident or intentional, we still need to be there to pick them up. And whether they're trying, we need to encourage them to keep going further. Because your words of life, when you speak life into the lives around you, people will jump through hoops for you. People will go through the extra mile for you because they feel valuable and significant. I'll close with this story. A number of years ago, a man named John Olstein, who is the founder of Lakewood Church, who's now passed on his son Joel, good friends of ours, uh, the Olstein family. They, his dad, let me put it this way, his dad, years ago, about 30 years ago, went and saw a family of uh, friends across town that passed through a church. When he went there, he got in a little late to church, and so he sat in the back row. John did. 
And when he did, a young man came walking in and sat down next to John Olstein. John Olstein was moved with such compassion and love for this young man. He thought to himself, as soon as this service lets out, I am going to go and encourage that young man. And about halfway through the service, this young man got up and walked out. John was so moved with compassion that he just felt like he had to get up and find this young man. So he, he got up and he walked out into the lobby. He's looking all over in the lobby area. He couldn't find him, so he went out to the parking lot. He couldn't find him there. He finally goes back into the restrooms and he finds him there in the bathroom. And he says to this young man, he said, I don't know you and I know you don't me. No, no, I know you don't know me. But I just need to tell you, God loves you. And he has a great calling on your life. There are seeds of greatness in you that God is calling out. Don't throw it away. Your future is bright. And he went on to say a few more words that were encouraging to this young man. This young man began to cry uncontrollably right there in the restroom. And he said to John, he said, I came and sat next to you because of those cool shoes you're wearing. But I had told God this morning, if you're real and you care about me, I need to know it. And I had made the decision after church that if I didn't know he loved me and cared about me, I was going to go home and take every pill in the house. And he said, when I sat down next to you and I saw those shoes, he said, I just couldn't stay in service any longer. I was about to leave. And he said, but when I kept seeing those shoes following me everywhere I was going, trying to hide, I even tried to hide. Those shoes kept finding me. That young man, 30 years later today, pastors a church of thousands of members every Sunday. What would have happened if John did not release those healing words? What could happen if you begin to release on another level your words of life and healing? Because the question is, where are the healers in this world? We need more encouragers. We don't need any more critics. We need people who will lift one another up and build each other up and edify one another. And I believe as a result, and I declare, that not only will you one day be able to save someone's soul, but I believe you'll not only save that soul, but you'll save the city. And as a result, I believe you won't just save the city. I believe that you'll save the nations. And I believe you won't just save the nations because of being a healer, but you will help save this world. If you receive this, would you say amen? amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Father, we thank you so much for our time together today. We believe that we receive your word, the incorruptible word of God that goes into good ground. I believe these are not just 30 or 60, but I believe these are hundredfold producers, people who hear your word and receive it. In Jesus' name, I ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ or you need to make a recommitment to the Lord Jesus, it would be my honor and my privilege to introduce you to my very best friend, and his name is Jesus who loves you with open arms. It doesn't matter what you've done right, sir. It doesn't matter what you've done wrong. All that matters is what he's done for you. And he loves you and he's got open arms and forgiveness is free for you. It wasn't free for him, but it was free for you. Will you receive that forgiveness today? Whether it's a first time decision or you need to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed all over this auditorium. If that's you and you're saying, Pastor, please pray for me. Would you slip up a hand all over this room right now just acknowledging I need to accept Christ or I need to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Thank you for all of your hands. Anyone else? Pastor, pray for me too. Thank you so much. I see your hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? Okay, let's do this. Let's take a moment and put a hand on your heart. 
we're going to pray with those that are making that quality choice and that decision. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let's do this. Let's pray with them and be an encouragement. Let's be the wind beneath their wings here at High Point Church. Would you pray this prayer out loud? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever. Jesus, take my life and do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you give them a big hand clap? Let them know how much you love them.